Well, there, this morning we're in week four of our series of messages that we're calling Devoted and Led. It's a series that we're taking uh, from different passages in the book of Acts. What we're seeing in the book of Acts is that the book of Acts gives us a really clear picture uh, of exactly how the church began, what it looked like when it began, and what the church uh, should be like even still today, and what this movement of God on earth uh, should be about and should look like. And, and, and we talked about that the church from the very beginning, they didn't, they didn't even call it church back then. It was more of a movement of God that was sweeping across the land as these, these people who became followers of Christ, they had witnessed the teachings of Jesus. They had, they had witnessed the crucifixion. They had witnessed the resurrection. And, and many of them had seen Jesus after the resurrection. And they were so devoted to the message of Jesus and to the fact that Jesus was who He said He was, and that's the Messiah, and that He came as the only way, friend, the only way for forgiveness of your sins. And so it was imperative that they spread this good news of Jesus Christ into all the world. And that was actually the command that Jesus gave them, spread the gospel to every end of the earth. And so this movement began that we call the church, and unfortunately, uh, something happened and people began to think of the church as a place instead of something that you are. It was simply a place that you attend, uh, uh, an event, a religious event. And sadly, this shift in thinking about what the church actually is uh, changed the fundamental way that people think about church altogether. And what the church is supposed to be. Instead of people being the church, people started going to church. And it was an event that you sat through rather than a movement that you were a part of. And before we get to our text today, as I was preparing for this, one of my favorite stories, uh, one of my favorite people in the New Testament, we're going to be looking at the life of Stephen here in just a few minutes. But as I was preparing this, I began to think about uh, Stephen and his life and, and, and how uh, his life and even death uh, shows us what it means to really be a successful follower of Jesus Christ. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times when we think of success in this life, uh, our, our view of that is somewhat different than I believe what a successful journey with Jesus looks like. Because the world tells us that you are successful if your bank account looks like this. You, you can consider yourself to be successful if your name is at the top of the list. You can consider yourself to be successful if you have, you know, this many degrees hanging on your wall. And so we have allowed the world to uh, identify, we've allowed the world to set the standards for how we view success uh, in this world today. And everybody wants to be successful. I've never heard anybody uh, that, that got up in the morning and said, you know what, I just want to be an absolute failure today. Uh, you know, we don't think that way. We want to be successful. We want our children to be successful. We want our grandchildren to be successful. 
But what is success? I mean, when we say we want success for our children, what are, what are we actually talking about? And I think this morning we're going to see a great uh, example, a great picture of what it looks like to be successful in this world today as a follower uh, of Jesus Christ. Because the world's, uh, the world's uh, definition of success is so much different from ours. I, I found it interesting. Some of you may be familiar with a fellow by the name of Ted Turner. Uh, he was the one that founded CNN and, and TBN, and uh, he once was the owner of the Atlanta Braves. He's, he's a billionaire. He's, he's extremely uh, wealthy. Um, and he was interviewed one time by Barbara Walters on one of her 2020 uh, shows that she did, and she began to ask him about what it meant to him to be as successful as he was in the world with all this success success and money and things that he owned and things that he was noted for. And he said this about success. He said, well, I think it's kind of an empty bag to tell you the truth. To a large degree, it is. But you have to get there to really know that. I mean, money doesn't buy happiness and neither does honor or position or awards, or trophies. And friends, this was from a man who at the time was worth about two and a half billion dollars. And he said, even though the bank account may be big, even though I may have this huge portfolio of things that I own and that I oversee, he says, it's an empty bag because it will not bring you happiness. It will not bring you joy. And he said, it's an empty bag promise, which I thought was very interesting. But here's the deal. The American dream, as we know it, of having money and therefore creating success in our lives, leads us down a very difficult path and a path that ultimately leads to nowhere except death and destruction. A lot of people today are sacrificing so much in order to be successful. They're sacrificing of their lives. They're sacrificing of their time. They're sacrificing their moral values. They're sacrificing their families at the altar of the American dream of trying to be uh, successful. So what does success look like? on our journey with Jesus, when we want success for our, ourselves and success for our families and for our kids and our grandkids, what does that look like? Well, I think it looks very similar to the title of this series that we've been in now for a few weeks. It looks like someone who is devoted, devoted to God, Devoted to their faith, devoted to the family of God, devoted to the church, devoted to this movement, and they are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because here's, here's the deal, that is the reason God created you. He didn't create you to be successful uh, in terms of the definition that Americans have given you. He designed you to be successful for Him. He created you for His glory. He created you for His good. He created you to be a part of His kingdom and His family and to be 
a devoted follower of Christ that's led by the power of His Spirit and to serve Him. Today here in chapter 6, we're going to see this guy named Stephen. And I love the story. It's very interesting. I've preached uh, from this passage many times in the past. But I love this story of Stephen because he's got, he's got a really cool name, number one. Number two, he's one of the very few followers of Christ that we actually see the story about how he was martyred for the cause of Christ. We know from history and other writings that uh, the disciples all were as well, but we don't see many actual stories of people being killed for the cause of Christ throughout the New Testament. But we do in this story of Stephen. And Stephen was a man who probably wasn't considered successful uh, in the world's definition of success in society. But he was a man of great success that brought glory to God. And God did great things in him and through him because of it. He was devoted to the cause of Christ. He was devoted to the body of Christ. And he was led, and we see repeatedly throughout this story, he was led and filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be our primary focus today is talking about allowing the Spirit to not only fill us, but allowing the Spirit to lead us and guide us and use us for what God intended us to be used for. I just want to real quickly give you the context of this story that we're looking at this morning because I think that it's important. But if you know, in the book of Acts, we uh, continually see up to this point that the church is, the church is really growing. It's, it's exploding, matter of fact, because you've got all these people who are so very dedicated to the movement. They're so very dedicated to this good news message of Jesus Christ being the Messiah and the Savior of the world that they're going out and they are building the kingdom of God. You are seeing the numbers increase by thousands on a regular basis. So the church as we know it, this congregation, this movement was getting really huge. And the task of the church that we find is so much more uh, than, than just converting people, although that's a, a huge part of it. But the church, this movement, is also responsible for not only loving God, but loving their neighbors. And they were so good at this, loving their neighbors, loving the widows, feeding the widows, feeding the orphans, doing everything that the church had been commanded to do. And it, it had gotten so big that... The leaders in the, in the church, they couldn't handle it all. They couldn't manage it all. They couldn't possibly do everything that needed to be done. And so what they began to do is they began to uh, pick some people uh, that were part of the movement that they trusted and they delegated uh, some of the ministry responsibilities to these people, such as distributing food to the widows. And Stephen was one of the people that was chosen, that was delegated to uh, be a part of this huge ministry. And so he began to serve. And, and we see that he was chosen, he was in the position that he was in because he was devoted and he was led and he was willing to serve. And let me just tell you this this morning. When you're devoted to the body of Christ, you're willing to serve the body of Christ. 
When you're devoted to the mission, when you're devoted to the message, when you're devoted to this movement, then you are willing to do whatever it takes. And that includes serving others in the body of Christ. And it's so unfortunate that so many people miss out on this because our our, uh, view of the church these days in the culture that we live in today is, what can the church do for me? And we have totally have twisted and, and turned and missed the point of what the church is. And the purpose of being a part of the body of Christ is to serve others. It's not about what we can get out of it or what we can take or what's in it for us. And while being successful followers of Jesus begins with being willing to serve, we see living successfully on this journey with Jesus also means being led by the Spirit. I love it here in verse 5 of chapter 6. It says that they chose Stephen. Why did did they choose him? Because he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. He was a successful, he was an important part of the body because he was willing to serve and he was devoted to the message And he was led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's pick it up now at verse 8 of chapter 6. And I appreciate so so much Kirsten Wilson uh, reading our text for us this morning during our worship. She did a much better job pronouncing some of these words than I ever will. I will butcher it like a butcher, I'm sure. Uh, She did a tremendous job. But uh, God's Word says this, beginning at verse 8. Now, Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. But opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom The Spirit gave him as he spoke. Don't miss this. Stephen was living and speaking and serving, not in his own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe so often we try to do so much on our own, in our own strength and our own power, and it just doesn't work out. But we see how it will work out. And we see here that Stephen was considered to be a successful followers of Christ because he was living his life, he was serving others, he was serving God, and he's speaking not in his own power, not in his own wisdom, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I must be doing that as well. We must tap in to this power that's been made available. I, I, I told you when we started this series, my prayer is simply this in this series, that when we get to the end of it, that we are a more uh, Spirit-led church than we were before we started. Because I believe it is so very important. And it's more than just believing in Jesus. It's more than just believing in the Holy Spirit. It's being controlled by the Spirit. It's surrendering your life, your plan, your will, your family, His church to the Spirit of God. And can I just tell you, we see this all throughout history and Scripture, but we also see it 
uh, today in our world. God does some of His greatest work through just ordinary people that He has given this power to, that they've tapped into and allowed God to lead them with the Holy Spirit. He does some of His greatest work through just ordinary people like us. Ordinary people like you that are empowered with the Spirit of God. And it was because Stephen was devoted and empowered by the Spirit that we see one of the most powerful conversions take place in the New Testament. And that was the conversion of Saul to the Apostle Paul. Don't miss this. Stephen, he wasn't an apostle himself. Matter of fact, he was just serving food to widows. He was speaking boldly the message of Jesus, sharing it everywhere that he went. People didn't like the things that he said. They didn't like the things that he proclaimed. But he was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't an appointed or elected disciple or apostle. He was just an ordinary guy filled with the Holy Spirit that was used in very powerful ways. Friends, what a lesson for every single one of us. That's exactly what God wants to do in you, in your life, and in your family. And because of that, Saul... This man who had been persecuting the church, arresting Christians because of the life, this simple life that Stephen was living, but yet it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. This man, Saul, was saved and became who we know today as the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And here's the deal, friends. The Sauls of our community... The Saul's that you go to school with tomorrow, the Saul's that you go to work with tomorrow, the Saul's that you're going to encounter this week as you go out into this world, they're probably not going to be converted by me. They're probably not going to be converted by uh, coming here to this church and hearing me preach because for the most part, y'all haven't invited them yet, right? So we need to be sure and invite the Saul's. But you know what? I'm, I'm probably not going to be the one that really makes a difference in their life. It's typically the people that are out there among the Saul's that are going to school with them, that are working with them, that are going to the coffee shop with them, that are encountering them in different places that they go and they come in contact with. The greatest impact on the loss in our community happens by folks like you. It is very much every one of our responsibility to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and build the kingdom of God. And over in Romans chapter 8, this man who was saved because of the influence and the life of this servant Stephen, here's what he says. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to other members of the movement, other members of the church that we would call it. Listen to what Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 verse 9. He says, you, however, talking to the church, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And we need to be clear about this. When you surrender your life, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you accept Him as Lord. That means He's Lord over all. He is in control of all. When you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life when you accept Him. When you surrender your life to Him, you receive at that moment the Holy Spirit. 
And friends, the only way that we will ever be successful as a church is by doing exactly what Stephen did here and being led by the Spirit, not by our own strength or our own ideas or our own plans or anything that we can be extra creative about. But it's through this guiding of the Holy Spirit and we must be in tune with Him. We see evidence of not only uh, Him living in the Spirit of God, but also in His understanding of the Word. And, and don't worry, I'm not going to read this entire text because it's chapter 6 and, and mostly 7. But not only did they see the Spirit at work in His life through serving and through the Spirit-led words that He spoke, but He had this, he had this tremendous knowledge of the Word of God. And we see this evidence of the Spirit all throughout the next chapter as Stephen basically preaches a sermon summarizing the entire Old Testament, right? Telling the story of the Old Testament and the people of God to these people that were accusing him and condemning him. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, But the Advocate, or the Counselor, the, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, listen, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then the Apostle Paul says to us over in 1 Corinthians in his letter to the Corinthians that there are things that have not yet been understood and things that would not have been understood except that God has revealed them through his Spirit. And we see here, Stephen knew God's Word. Stephen knew the Word, and, and don't miss this. Living successfully on this journey with Jesus means that we will be people of the Word. Amen? We'll be people of the truth. We'll be, tr we'll be people of the knowledge of the things of God by being in His Word. That's why it is so important that we continue to study the Word of God. It's why we do what we do here. It's why we preach the Word. It's why we teach the Word on Wednesday nights. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we have uh, uh, small groups. It's why we have children's church. It's to teach and to learn and study the Word of God. Why? Because it is the most important thing that we have to guide us with the help of the Holy Spirit. God's Word is how He teaches us. He teaches us a lot. teaches us about how He worked in the past. And so we know the same God that was God of the Bible is the same God and has not changed today. He has not changed. And so we learn how He's worked in the past. And we also learn through His Word how He wants us to live our lives. How He wants us to live our lives now. There's no reason that any follower of Christ should ever be confused about what they ought to do and what they ought not do. Because He's laid it out. He's spelled it for us in the Word of God. He, what, what a child of God will look like as one of His followers. And He wants us to understand it, know it, and live it out right now in this world that you and I are living in. Stephen, he knew the Word. He knew the history of the church. He knew the history of the people of God. He knew the history of Jesus. And when he was questioned about it, we see all throughout chapter 7, Stephen would give a detailed account of God's work through the people of Israel, the Israelites. And it's obvious. 
And it's evident that he was a man of the Word of God. Can I just ask you today, when people talk about you behind your back, do they say, that's a person of the Word of God? That's a person that knows the Word of God. That's a person that's living out the Bible that they say that they follow. You see, Stephen knew what God had done. He knew what God had promised. And when those promises were being fulfilled, he recognized them for what they were. He knew the Word of God. And here's the deal, friends. If you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know the Word of God, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to miss out on God's faithfulness and you're going to start believing Satan's lies. Because this right here is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And so many people today are, are following the lies of the world and the lies of Satan because they don't know the truth. They can't stand on the truth because they don't know the truth. And we miss God's direction for our lives. We miss God's direction for our families. We miss God's direction for our church. And friends, honestly, we hinder the Holy Spirit from working. If we're not in the Word, then how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? How does the Holy Spirit speak into our lives if we're not in the Word? This is how, when we study the Word, we encourage you to pray before you begin to study. Give me understanding. Give me what you want me to know through this passage of Scripture. And I have people tell me all the time, you know, some of that stuff is just so confusing. I agree, it is. But you know, even when we're in a passage of Scripture that's confusing, if before we go into it or while we're in the middle of it, if we'll just say, God, would you through your Holy Spirit tell me what you want me to know? in this passage of Scripture. And it may not be the understanding that we want to know and how, you know, all the details, but I promise you, He will have a message for you in His Word as the Holy Spirit takes those words and makes them come alive to you in your life. It is so, so very important. We need to be reading it. We need to be studying it. We need to know it. We need to believe it. We need to meditate on it. And we need to read it again. And again and again. Why? So that we will know the things that God has done. And that we will know the things that God wants us to do. So that you and I can be obedient. And we can be faithful. And we can be successful followers of Jesus Christ. True joy. We talked about this in our last series. We talked about having joy and what that meant and what that looked like. Can I just tell you that, that true joy and success in this world is only found in living the way that God intends for you to live? In the way that God has laid out here in His Word, how He wants us to live our lives, it's the only way that you'll ever find joy. It's the only way that you'll ever find peace. It's the only way that you'll ever find any kind of success in this world. It's found in His Word. Psalm 19 and 8 says, The precepts or the commandments or the Word of the Lord are right. Don't miss this. Bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. Giving insight for living and how to live our lives. Jesus said in John 15, verses 10 and 11, If you obey my word, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this. Why? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may 
be complete. The key to the joy, the key to the success, the key to a a, a journey of righteousness with Jesus is found in His Word. So why is it that so many people are struggling? Why is it that so many people are living defeated lives? Because could it be they're not in the Word and the Holy Spirit's not able to do the work that it wants to do in our hearts and in our lives? To have joy, to be successful on this journey with the Lord, and we must trust in the Lord. We must be devoted to the Lord and His Word and His ways through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the deal, and you know this, I don't have to tell you this. In the world that we live in today, we're constantly having the opposite of this shoved down our throats. We are. There's no denying it. No doubt about it whatsoever. The world says, if it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, then that's your right. Go right ahead. But the truth is, many people are being deceived by the lies of the enemy because they don't know the truth of God's Word. Paul said in Romans 14, verse 17 and 18, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Spirit. There it is again. There it is again. We've got to tap into the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit because it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. And don't miss this. Something I never noticed about this before. And receives human approval. What is it that people are trying to do by becoming successful in the world's eyes? They're wanting the world to see them as successful, right? They're wanting human approval. They're wanting people to to see us climbing that ladder. That we want the world to see us, you know, with all of these material possessions and all these things because we want human approval. And Paul's saying right here, anyone who serves Christ in this way, being led by the Holy Spirit, not only pleases God, But if you live a life like this, you will receive human approval. And that's what we all truly want. The approval of God and the approval of others, right? And that's what Paul says the results are here. This is real success. Living righteously. We're pleasing God and fulfilling our purpose that He created us to live out. And then finally, we see that living successfully means that we will be like Jesus. And I love this. I want to I close and skip down to the final verses of chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles there, turn to chapter 7 toward the end of that. I want to pick it up. Uh, verse 54, Stephen has just shared this very powerful sermon, spirit-led sermon. Start reading there, verse 54 of chapter 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. See, the world don't want to hear the truth. The world don't want to hear the message. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, there it is again, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I've shared this before, but it's the only place in Scripture where we see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Any other time we see a reference to Jesus, He is sitting at the right hand of God. 
But this servant, this one who has been so devoted, this one who has been uh, so uh, led by the Spirit, Jesus is witnessing what's going on, what's taking place, and what's about to take place. And I think it's so powerful that we see here that he was standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen looked up and he says, Look, he said, I have seen heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed to him. I, I just want to stop right there just for a second because at the end of early service, uh, y'all know that uh, Kevin McNabb is a, uh, uh, is a uh, theological consultant of mine following early service. Uh, we always have a conversation about uh, the message in between services. But he shared something with me, and I'd never noticed this before. Stephen is telling them to look. He says, look. He's t- who's he talking to? He's talking to his accusers. He's talking to those who are condemning him that are about to kill them. And he says, look, look to Jesus, look at him. And obviously what, has, what takes place here is they chose not to look. Friends, this is a statement of free will in our lives. We have the option to look to Jesus or not look. And Stephen is inviting them, even here in his very last few moments, look to the Lord God, our Savior. Look to Him. I see heaven open and the Son of Man, which is Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at Him, dragged Him out of the city, and began to stone Him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59 says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and died. Friends, Stephen did everything right and yet they killed him does that sound similar to another story that we know about in scripture sounds like Jesus the one that he's pointing them to and trying to get them to look to the stories are eerily similar and verse 58 it just gives me chills when it says they took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. You see, Saul was watching. Friends, tomorrow or even today when you leave this place and you go to the restaurant or you go to the grocery store or you go wherever it is that your life is going to take you, the Sauls are watching you. They're watching you as a follower of Christ. You call yourself Christian. You say, this is who I am. I am a Christian, which simply means I am Christ-like. And the Saul's out there are watching you to see what Christ looks like. Saul was watching this faithful man of God. 
and as every stone smashed into Stephen's head and his body was mangled into a bloody heap and the blood flowed from his body out onto the ground, it planted a seed of faith in the heart of Saul. Saul heard Stephen's pleas there in his last moments as he pleaded with God to forgive his persecutors. And Saul saw this man with this heart of mercy and goodness and righteousness and he watches how he endures this and goes through this. And Saul saw the glory of God reflected on Stephen's face that day. And something happened to Saul. That he never got over. Friends, how many people in your life would experience something similar because of your righteousness, your faithfulness, your devotion to God? Would they look at your life and the way you live it and catch something that they would never get over? God used Stephen's life and his death for so much more than I'm sure Stephen ever dreamed or imagined when he started waiting tables and serving widows food. From his death came the greatest evangelist and greatest missionary that this earth has ever known to date. Listen, the sermons, the messages of God that you share through your pain are louder than the ones you share in your blessing. Just know that. The messages that you share, the way you live your life, the way you conduct yourself, even in the pain, even in the suffering, is so much more powerful than the message that you might share in your greatest blessings. Because people look at what you're going through and they're like, they're still praising God. They're still pointing people to Jesus. They're still devoted and they're still being led by the Holy Spirit from start to finish. Folks, Stephen's life just screams, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about serving. It's about waiting on tables if that's what's needed. It's not about my popularity. It's not about my status in society, but it's about Pointing people to Jesus to get them to look at Jesus for themselves. God builds his kingdom through people who are willing to say, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about me. Jesus is worth it. And they pick up the towel and they serve others, whatever the cost, whatever it takes. We see Stephen's success came from glorifying God in his life and in his death. And he did it how? All in the likeness of Jesus Christ. All in the likeness of Jesus. And Stephen's story teaches us a lot, but one of the main things that I believe that it could teach all of us is how we can bring glory to God in any circumstance of life. We can point people to Him in any circumstance. We can say, no matter what we're going through 
or where we find ourselves, we can say, look, the Son of God who came to take away your sins and the sin of the world. Friends, there's no doubt that in life, times are going to be hard. And some of you, even right now, are going through some very hard and difficult times. And life can be hard. There are going to be times when things get difficult. We're not protected from that, and we're not exempt from that because we're part of the movement or part of the church. Jesus experienced it, and he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he also prayed, if this be your will, your will be done. Jesus experienced it. Stephen experienced it. All of us are going to experience hard times and difficult days. And in those times, in those times, one of the most beautiful things that I have seen in my life are people who will continue to glorify God and say, look to Jesus. Don't look at my pain. Don't look at my suffering. Look at my Savior. Look at my Savior. Because He is all that really matters. Success does not equal easy. Nowhere in Scripture are we promised easy. But success does equal glorifying God, pointing people to Him in all things, in all circumstances, in all situations. Because the most important thing, when it all comes down to it, at the end of the road, at the end of our journey, when... Uh, if you bless me with the opportunity to preach your funeral, which I do consider a blessing, you know what? I'm not going to stand up here and talk about how much money you had in your bank account, how big your 401k was. I'm not going to talk about all the things that the world says will make you successful. The most important message that your family is going to want to hear on that day is that you knew Christ. And you brought glory to Him in the way that you lived your life, in the way that you led your family, and in the way that you served the church. And I've said it before, don't make, don't make me stand up here and lie. <laughs> what a powerful, powerful testimony. What a powerful, powerful witness. I envy the guy that got to preach Stephen's funeral and memorial service. He had so much material. Friends, what kind of material will they have at the end of your lives? Are you living a life that's devoted to God, devoted to the message, devoted to the good news, led by the Spirit, and you're pointing people to Jesus, saying, look, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you today so much for your word. It's, uh, it's exactly what you knew that we needed every time that we open it. It's exactly what we need and when we need it. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the spirit that you left us, the promise that you made that 
when we accept you, surrender our lives to you, then we will be under the control of you, your control, through the Holy Spirit that's in our life. So God, I thank you today that we have this help because we need help. I need help each and every day. I need more of you each and every day. And so God, that's my prayer that you would fill me with more of your presence so much to the fact that it just spills over onto other people. God, that as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as just somebody that's walking on this earth with these other folks here in this room, God, that I would bring you glory, that in the way that I live, in, in everything that I do, it would point people to you and who you are. Because that is all that truly matters. And so, God, forgive us when we forget that. Forgive us when we get it wrong. But thank you for giving us an opportunity and reminding us through your word what is truly important and what it's all about. What being a follower of Christ is all about and what it looks like and what is expected of us. And God, the most important thing is that the, the end of our road, at the end of our life, or however it may be, whether you come and take us home or whether death uh, takes us, that we will stand before you and hear you say those words that I, I long to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. There's nothing more important than that. No amount of success that this world could give us. That is the most successful thing. And that is our goal. To glorify you. To share you. And to hear you say, you did a good job with that. You did a good job. And so I pray now that you'd go with us. We've got your help. We've got your spirit. Find us faithful in what you've called us to do. Find us as devoted to this movement and to the church as we were the very first day that we accepted you as Lord and Savior. God, give us a passion. Give us a fire. Give us a hunger. God, help us to build the kingdom of God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. Give you the glory that you so rightly deserve by what you're doing in us and through us and through the body of Christ. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Don't forget our food boxes. Thanksgiving food boxes are due back Wednesday night. Please get those returned to us. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up the ramp there on your right on your way out. God bless.